1: Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Texas X&O's expert, Ian Boyd. Ian uh, uh, wrote a couple of articles this week, one of which I want to get his opinion on and, and try to, I don't know, give, uh, give fans some uh, thoughts to chew on. How are you doing today, Ian? Doing
2: well. Talking defense again, and um, there's a lot to talk about there. I hope that the answers we get when the season comes will match some of the optimism we could have in the offseason.
1: Yeah, what, what are some of the things you think that, that your article this week went over? It talked about how the coverage um, – let me try to, to put this in layman's words. The coverage on the back end dictate how Texas plays the front of the defense and how they st- try to stop the run. So, really, you start by trying to figure out how many people you have to cover on the back end, and that allows you – or that dictates how many people you can put forward – Uh, to stop the run is that 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 the crux of it
2: yeah that's a I would say that's a general principle of modern defense Um, not just a Texas 2022 specific dynamic but that's something that you would that's probably the best way to tell what every kind of defense will do if you're not able to cover passes you're just going to get beat deep you're going to get beat fast so nothing else matters so the first thing defenses have to figure out is kind of How they're going to handle the back end how they're going to stop quick scores and then stopping the run comes after after that in the progression of of building a defense so the the good news there for Texas is they probably have most of their answers on how they want to do things on the back end Uh, but they have an awful lot of questions about what to do up front to stop the run and obviously last year the answers they had were not great
1: yeah I mean tell me let's let's talk about last year a little bit because I think that uh, given that we haven't seen anything from the new defense other than the spring game, right. Or, um, or not the new defense, but new people. Why, why was, I'm just going to put it out there. Why was BJ Foster uh, not a fit for this defense? I mean, why did did he in particular play so poorly? I don't think it was all effort or that sort of thing. What, what were the issues that he had that maybe whoever, because, because I think he was, I mean, for lack of a better term, maybe he was the one that, Everybody could point to him and say, hey, he's just not playing well. What, what does he need to do or that position need to do differently to be more effective?
2: I think he was such a de-emphasized position last year for Foster. Like in Chris Ash's defense, Chris Ash was going to stop the run. His answer for how to cover the back end was Caden Stearns was almost in man coverage as a deep safety last year. And that's partly why you didn't hear much from Caden Stearns in, in 2020, it's because he spent so much time just way out on an Island, eight yards off of a, of a slot receiver. And, uh, the other position was, you know, Chris Brown or BJ Foster, and they were much more involved. And so was the nickel and Chris Ash was, I know my linebackers don't necessarily know where to be. So I'm going to make everything real small for him and get all two safeties, every snap involved in the run game. And, um, Last year, Texas played it very differently. Last year they were it was much more, um, if we're going to do anything, we're not going to get beat deep. And so they played their safeties that way. And uh, put Foster just kind of out in no man's land, um, you know, just making sure nothing got over the top. There were times when he was positioned around the box where he was actually pretty solid. He made some open field tackles. Uh, I think a lot of those are forgotten because he had these other moments that were such bad lapses where he lost his man in coverage or missed a guy on a tackle. Um, But overall, I I think mostly it was that the philosophy changed on the back end and his potential role as a box safety run stopper that probably was always his best fit didn't really exist in the defense last year, certainly not at his position. So it just miscast.
1: Okay. So... (laughs) You know, then, then who needs to be cast there among this group to help them in the secondary so that they can actually start to, to not only stop the pass, but also stop the run?
2: Well, I think that the, um, the characters that the cast will play will, will change this year because they're um, moving Jade Barron to nickel, and they're going to play more man coverage. Uh, they'll play either match or man. So instead of having a nickel and a safety over the slot at all times, um, they will have the safeties will be freed up to to play in the middle of the field more and also to come down in the box a little more i still probably not downhill to the degree that they would have played in uh in like chris ash's defense but uh they will be i think less you know back and they won't be back in huddo quite so often this year and um Probably the the free safety position is now the one that I think will be a little bit more of the downhill box position. They'll they'll trade off, but I think that position is kind of more where you'd want your B.J. Foster Alley kind of guy. And uh, who do they put there is, you know, it was Jaron Thompson in the spring, Keaton Crawford got some looks there. It's not totally clear yet what they're going to do.
1: So, so you're saying the key to this defense and playing it a little bit differently is to have a... a nickel guy that actually can play man coverage like Jade baron who's a converted cornerback
2: yeah the, the the big thing the big switch there to, to understand or visualize is that instead of having the deep field safety be the guy that's making sure that the that's matching up on the slot it's now the nickel so you're moving the, the guy you're just moving the positions up in terms of who's got primary coverage responsibility on the slot and uh, that means that that deep field safety position can be used differently because he's, he doesn't have the same responsibilities. And if he's used differently, then the other safety can also be used differently. If you kind of follow that, that train of, uh, of uh, causality.
1: Do you think Texas with, with Jaday Barron uh, and the group of other guys, uh, Ryan Watts, Deshaun Jamison, Jaron Thompson, or Keaton Crawford, as well as Anthony Cook, you think they're they they're going to be a better secondary this year, given they, they should get pl- better play at a couple positions?
2: Yeah, I think that they have a lot more that they can try to do. Um when your nickel can turn and run with a receiver like Jade Barron can, um, he doesn't have to. So you could still do things that the way they did last year, where he's the zone defender. Or you can do it differently where he's playing man coverage and you just kind of, you know double the playbook in terms of, of what all you can do there and um they also I, probably in the top corner last year you would say was uh in terms of effectiveness you'd probably say josh thompson but josh thompson to be effective was you know playing off coverage all year he was a good tackler he could keep guys in front of him but he wasn't a guy that could you know lock a guy up and take away quick passes or necessarily guarantee that a hand was swatting the ball at the chains, and uh, Ryan Watts is a different guy. Ryan Watts is going to cover up on people. He's going to press people, and so I just, that's two different positions where I think they've really expanded what they can do, and all the new options are, are more aggressive.
1: So you, you the, the, the crux of your article was not only just about how they're going to play differently, or what they can do differently in the secondary, but also how that affects what they can do with the front, um, given that flexibility in the secondary, what are what are the things that you think they'll do somewhat differently with the front?
2: Um, one big thing is that when you play two high safeties like Chris Ash did, um, your linebackers have to do a little bit of everything. When you play man coverage and you match every receiver with a defensive back one on one, without two guys deep anymore your linebackers become more just linebackers. They can stay in the box. They can focus on the run. Everything gets a little bit simplified for them. And uh, we don't, I mean, we don't even know exactly how they're going to play the front. You know, if they're going to, they're going to keep the two, four, five, if they're going to run a three, three, if they run a three, three, exactly what style is that going to be? We don't know, you know, we don't know exactly what all they have planned, but whatever they do there will be easier because, their linebackers can be a little more single-minded on uh, making sure they know what to do in the box. They become more strictly box players.
1: Do you agree with C- Steve Sarkeesian made a comment a w- couple of weeks ago, I guess, uh, that he felt like they stopped the run pretty good. And then in the fourth quarter, they got mentally tired, uh, not just physically tired. And and because of the number of three and outs they had in, uh, several of the, uh, uh, Games in the third quarter, but he, he felt like they got mentally tired as well as physically tired. Um, d- do you see that as a contributing factor, or do you think it was more scheme related or player related, or was it a, an amalgam of all of those?
2: Well, they definitely had games where they uh, lost the plot right at the end of games. And, um, you know, they have the tracking software, they, sh- they should know if the players are physically tired or if it's just mental focus or what have you they know which guys missed assignments so i you know you'd probably want to defer to Sarkeesian on that but there's no doubt that one way or the other they played worse at the end of games on several occasions um because whether that was because they just got tired whether because they missed a spot or um You know defenses or offenses adjusted to them and and sort of found something it'd be a a little trickier to say probably you know all of the above is probably the best answer but yeah no no question that you know they had they had like their run at the end of the year that's stained in everyone's mind where Kansas is just blowing their doors off from beginning to end and then they had the games where and and that one I think was just kind of they're beat up they're kind of checked out that's what it looked like and then you have games like um Oklahoma, Oklahoma, where they, there's like one specific play they can't stop. And then you have like Baylor and Oklahoma state where it looked more like they just lost steam at the end of games and they couldn't maintain their effort. So.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it was a mix. I mean, I would agree with the, all of the above statement. Some games seem more like they were one thing than the other though, to your point. Um, you know, Ian, you mentioned that that you're not even sure what kind of front they're going to use this year, but given what you know of the Texas defense and the personnel, because you do follow the team closely, what is your two four five three three five or a, a you know what what kind of three three five? Which one do you think that they should really look at running?
2: Um. Well, I was looking at there was a year in 2018. I was going to write about this for soon sometime soon where Pete wikowski didn't really have any established good proven edge players in 2018 which is a great amount uh, approximation of what it'll be like this year and he still ran his 245 but he used a big guy jalen johnson at defensive end uh, who was like 6'3 277 kind of a collins ojimo kind of guy and then his uh, stand-up edge was a uh, I'll butcher their name, Benning Patoe, something like that. And he was also like 6'3, 275, 280 pounds. Um, and he would just, you know, they knew how to play on the edge. He coached them up there. They played that 245 and they were good against the run and they were a very good defense in general, but they didn't have they didn't have explosive pass rush off the edge from those guys. So when they had to rush the passer, they had to blitz or they just had to say, look, we're not going to get to the quarterback, but we can at least move him around. So that's kind of a um, recent history example that would suggest that maybe Kwiatkowski plays more or less the same defense as last year, but he just uses guys like Oshimo and um, Alfred Collins on the edge. So that that could be one option. Um, Maybe that's most likely, if that's what he's shown in the past, they could also play a lot of 3-3 alignments and they could play it with a true edge or they could play it stacked and have no edges on the field at all and just play three off-ball linebackers. Um, and uh, I don't know. I hear this and that from, from spring practice. It, it's possible that they, that they didn't even know at the end of spring practice which of those they preferred.
0: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. And that is
2: may it, be something that's like a that's like a summer study, and then they go into the fall and really zero in on one that they feel is the best solution.
1: Is there one? Uh, is there a possibility that that I, I would imagine it is that they can play multiple types of fronts, or uh, based on who the personnel is, or is that a situation where you start getting into too many communication issues with linebackers and responsibility, um, you know, you know, miscommunication type stuff?
2: Uh, yeah, they I think they will have a few main ones, so more than just one probably. but but yeah, if you start mixing in too much, then it becomes like a, you know, th- this linebacker core is not benefited from uh, being set up with consistent schemes and teaching over years and years. Like they're hoping that they can get guys like uh, Benda and Overshone and Ford to a point where they can finally, go into a season with like a confidence in this is how the scheme works. This is what I look for. This is how I find the ball. As though they were like second or third year players in a normal system, right? They're not second or third year players, but that's the kind of level of understanding that they'd probably like them to get to. And that becomes trickier if you, uh, if you really just try to throw the kitchen sink. I, that, to me, that could start to look desperate if they, uh, if they try to do too much. But they, but they probably will have some multiplicity, and they should be able to get away with, with some degree of multiplicity, especially if they can maintain consistent rules for the linebackers in across different fronts.
1: Okay, so Ian, I have a couple of questions coming to you from the, the the message boards that I I picked up. Um, the defense, if you were to, to be told to be asked, a zero percent improvement from last year, a ten percent improvement. A 25% improvement or the opposite, a, a free fall or the, and they become worse uh, than a year ago? Where, where do you think you would be on this defense, given its personnel right now?
2: I would say the most likely scenario is that they improve substantially, 25%, maybe even more. Um, if they cannot find um, – the, the things I've detailed about coverage should make everything simpler and should give them one of probably two main things they can really hang their hats on. Like next, they should be able to go into next year being able to hang their hats on. We have a stout front and we have guys that can match up with their receivers and take away a lot of easy passes. So between those two things alone, even if they sort of struggle to figure out what to do in the middle of the field, that struggle, should it happen, should be something that caps their ceiling but it doesn't stop them from improving from last year because last year became such a mess. Um, So I, I really think that they're likely to improve. They may have some serious problems that are really frustrating to watch, but still be better than last year by a fair margin.
1: Okay. Um, Next question. Who leads the team in sacks next year?
2: Yeah, that's, um, that's probably, if you knew that answer, then you know what they settled on in terms of, how to play their front i'm gonna i'm just gonna say alfred collins because there's a lot of different directions they could go and a lot of them would result in alfred collins getting one-on-one matchups whatever position he ends up playing and then just athleting his way to the quarterback so i i would say alfred collins is the, the probably the best bet and then but whether that number is like you know four or seven you know, could be a, a big story of the season.
1: Got it. So whether it's actually a, 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 an improved pass rush or just a nominally improved pass rush is what you're, what you're getting at, right?
2: Yeah, or like, is it more by committee? Or like the, uh, the 2018 team I just referenced where they played, you know, big defensive tackle, almost bodies on the edges. I think that team was led in sacks by, I think Taylor Rapp, the free safety. Had like four and a half. And he was he was the team leader, but they were they gave up sixteen points a game. They just didn't have um, they didn't have one great pass rusher. They could manufacture pressure when they had to, kind of like a, a Belichick Patriot type approach, but they didn't have any single great talents.
1: Got it. Um, there's a what, um, scenario for you. Last question for you on defense: Who leads the team in tackles?
2: That should be Overshown. I think. Um, he's fast they'll probably try to gear things around keeping him pretty free to just use his speed and get to the ball. So unless he ends up, like, as an edge, maybe even then, I I think he probably leads the team in tackles. And then what the specific number is gives you a clearer window into the unit and how they turned out.
1: All right. I I think that'll do it for today. Uh, Interesting thoughts. Going to improve by 25%. I'm going to hold you to that. At least 25%. Well, uh, what's your, what's your Alfred. Con- Wait a minute. Alfred Collins is going to lead the team in sacks. DeMarvy and Overshone lead the team in tackles. Uh, but uh, Ian also saying that uh, the defensive secondary uh, and their ability to uh, vary coverage will dictate a lot of what the f- horns do up front. Uh, Ian, I appreciate your time, bud. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining us. You can get all of Ian's stuff on InsideTexas.com. Uh, for Ian Boyd, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for listening.
0: 18 plus.